I'm Ashley Smith Thomas, a millennial talking about freedom and national security for America. I'm the founder of Freedoms Fund USA, a nonprofit to protect freedom and national security. I am a speaker, advocate, and thought leader. I spent 2016 saving Christians targeted by ISIS in the Middle East. This was truly an eye-opening and life-changing experience as I watched and learned from my fellow Christians who longed for freedom. It was that experience that became the inspiration to start this show. In this show, come with me as I interview experts about key freedom issues in America and how we can protect freedom. Because if we lose our freedom, how can we bring freedom to the whole world? Let's take action together and let freedom ring. Welcome. My name is Ashley Smith Thomas, and I am the host of Freedom Talks. The purpose of this show is to educate Americans on key freedom and national security issues that impact our nation. I like to bring on subject matter experts to come onto the program to share with us key insight about these issues, but more importantly, provide us a call to action so that we can make a difference and be the change. But today I'm going to do something just a little bit different. I mean, after all, this is our first ep- episode here into the new year of 2022. So I want to focus on something that's a little bit more local, something that's happening here at the state level here in the great state of Texas. As you may have heard, there have been quite a bit of reports regarding South Lake, Texas, pertaining to their stance in fighting against CRT. Last year, we had in Episode 3, Cam Bryan and Hannah Smith, who are Carroll ISD school board members, talk about the fight in South Lake and why they're trying to protect freedom for South Lake students. However, a lot of people on certain political spectrums did not like that. And neither did NBC nor the DOJ. So while the battle is happening in South Lake, there's an, another battle that's actually brewing, and that is in Frisco ISD. Frisco used to be, and maybe still is, a place where a lot of people would move to based on the education alone. They wanted their kids to receive the best education. But something is happening in Frisco. Changes are happening. But are they good changes or bad changes? Today, I have with me a very special guest who has used her voice to speak up on behalf of students who have, she's also used her voice in school board meetings to make sure that children get a fighting chance. Her name is Stephanie Allot. Stephanie Allot is a California native who moved to Texas eight years ago for a job opportunity, but also to escape the tyrannical progressive state that California was becoming. A major concern of Stephanie's when moving to Texas was the quality of the public schools. After hearing from multiple sources that Frisco ISD was one of the best in North Texas, Stephanie and her husband decided to move to Frisco as they wanted the best for their children. The first few years were excellent, and then they started to notice a decline. During the pandemic, Stephanie started to pay more attention to what was going on in regards to their kids' education and and increasingly had concerns. After attending her first Frisco ISD board meeting in the fall of 2020 and several thereafter, Stephanie had increasing concerns about the leadership from the administration and the board. A seminal moment was when our board president, when the board president at the time during a board meeting said to attendees, this is our meeting. Doesn't that sound similar? That didn't sit right with Stephanie, so she decided to ban her prepared speech for public comments and call the president publicly on this on his outrageous statement. 
This led to some media attention by the Texas Scorecard and the Chris Salcedo Show. It also led Stephanie to consider running for school board this coming year. Stephanie earned her bachelor's degree in communication from the University of California at San Diego and her master's degree in speech communication from San Diego State University. Stephanie served as an adjunct communication professor at several community colleges and universities in California during her master's program and afterwards. Additionally, Stephanie has over 20 years of experience in corporate human resources and has worked for several Fortune 100 companies and is currently employed by a financial service company. Stephanie lives in Frisco with her husband, Jared, and her two daughters, who are Frisco ISD students. Stephanie, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. So tell me, what drew you to wanting to move to Frisco? Clearly the education system, but what was your journey like coming from California to Texas? Well, I lived in Southern California my whole life. I grew up in Orange County, went to school in San Diego. Um, So it was a big decision to leave California and, you know, we thought about it for a long time. And it, as it turned out, I ended up getting promoted with the company that I was working for at the time. And the job was in Dallas. So, so we moved here. And I, the funny part about that was I hadn't even ever been to Dallas before. And I decided to take the job and we were going to go and, and take sure. a leap of faith. So when we were in the process of relocating here, we wanted to, you know, figure out where's the best school system. We had two kids. Um, the older one was just getting ready to start fourth grade. And the younger one was still in preschool. And so everywhere we went, all we heard about was Frisco. Frisco ISD is the best school system in North Texas. It's the greatest. And so we said, well, I guess we're, I guess we're moving to Frisco then. And so we did. So we bought a home within the school district boundaries. And we started school that fall for my older one. And it was great. It was a great experience. And we really um, felt like we had won the lottery, especially compared to coming from California, where we were seeing some issues in the school system as my my daughter had been, you know, in that system from kindergarten through third grade. Mm-hmm. So we were starting to think, are we going to do private school? Are we going to do charter school? Because we just weren't thrilled with the quality of the public education system there. And we were in a pretty good district there, but it still just fell short in a lot of different areas. So, and I hear that story a lot. You know, I moved to Frisco because of the schools. And so we see that. And so that is why why, why we chose Frisco. And like I said, the first few years were amazing. And then we started to see things over time that caused concern. And I didn't know, you know, maybe these are just normal things that happened in middle school mm-hmm. as, as my daughter got older, right? Sure. At high school. Um, and then interestingly, as my younger one came up through the schools as well, when she hit fourth grade, I noticed that her fourth grade experience was very different than my older one's fourth grade experience. And they're seven grades apart. So there's a little bit of time. So you can kind of maybe see more in that Sure. You know, having that experience versus right. if you, you know, just have them two years apart. So first thing I noticed was that there was no homework in fourth grade. And I had remembered that there had been homework when my when my older daughter had started. And I thought, well, maybe it's just because of the pandemic. That was, you know, that was COVID, mm-hmm. right? And I thought, well, maybe it's the pandemic. She's in fifth grade now. So when she started fifth grade this year, I actually asked. I'm like, hey, what? where's the homework? When did she get homework, right? right? And I was told there's no homework. There's no more homework. So I guess they've eliminated homework. Um, and my daughter wants homework. Sure. You know, she, she wants to do spelling tests and, or spelling assignments at home. Like she remembered her older sister doing so, but we were told no homework. Here's some websites if you want to go find some assignments, but no homework. So that was a little bit of a concern. And then, you know, with the older one, like I said, she's a senior now, 
So, you know, starting to hear things about what's going on there too with the grading system that has been changed. So when she first started high school, you could retest. Um, If you didn't do well on a test, you could retest up to a score of 85. And there was lots of homework. And I noticed this year she wasn't doing very much homework. So I asked her, I thought maybe she's a senior and she's just kind of coasting a little bit, Mm -hmm. right? And she said, well, their homework's not required anymore. And I said, what? What do you mean homework's not required anymore? She said, yeah, you don't have to turn it in. It's not part of your grade. I mean, they still assign it, but it's not part of your grade. And then she started explaining to me about the grading system and how that's changed. So not only, um, like I said, it used to be you could retest, Mm -hmm. but you could only get an 85. So if you got a 70 on a test and then you retested and got maybe a 95 or whatever, the maximum you could get in your grading system was 85 so that you couldn't, you know, you couldn't still get an A if you didn't do well the first time. Well, now apparently some schools are allowing you to test, retest all the way up to 100 and you can retest on and on. It's not just one retest. It used to be just one and now it's more than one. So that was a little bit of a concern. So um, there's also another concept called waterfall grading, which basically means if you don't do well on a quiz, but you do well on a test, that can kind of spill over and sort of help help that, help raise that grade. And so it's a concern, right? Because we want there to be these high academic standards, but this, you know, seems to me to be a degradation of that, right? Because in the real world, you don't get do-overs. You don't get to do it over and over again. And it's not really preparing them, I think, for life beyond high school. The other reason why this is a concern, and I just learned about this a couple weeks ago, a friend of mine who's also a Frisco ISD parent, his daughter is a senior as well at a different school than my daughter. And she's an athlete. So she's being recruited right now to be, you know, part of athletic programs in different colleges. Sure. And they had a Zoom call with the with the recruiter. And the recruiter told them, you know, we have to make some adjustments basically because we know that Frisco ISD grade inflates. And so that's a concern. And this wasn't even a Texas school, I don't believe. It was an out-of-state school. So that's the reputation that Frisco, unfortunately, is getting is that grades are inflated. And if you think about it, too, like my daughter, if she can only test up to an 85, but at another school, you can retest up to 100, that impacts their GPA and their class ranking within their school, but also within the district. And so they're piloting some of these things, some of these new grading standards, but it's impacting the kids who are experiencing them right now. Right. Do you feel like that this is all tied to this whole critical race theory and the social emotional learning for the sake of equality? Because you look at how the students that are flourishing, it's almost like they're the ones who get penalized and punished for studying and doing their part. Meanwhile, students who may not be academically um, at the same level as some other students, then they're the ones who get the opportunity to retake tests and whatnot, unlike the students who are actually working hard to achieve the grades that that they are. So there's this really an improper balance that is happening, even though you hear that it's for the sake of equality. I'm not really sure where there's equality in that because it's setting up, I feel like, the students who are struggling to fail. Because then, in other words, it's almost like then they're going to be expecting a handout. They're going to be expecting uh, a do-over. And that's just not reality in the world, like how you had mentioned uh, a few minutes ago. Um, But 
I'm curious, do you think this has something to do with that, especially when us seeing this SEL and CRT movement in school districts across the state? Do you feel like that this is what you're seeing in Frisco ISD? I think it's very possible. Um, what I do know for sure is that the the equity agenda has driven another change within Frisco ISD in that they're piloting this year um, a program in the middle schools to eliminate advanced learning opportunities for students. So that happened or is currently happening in eight middle schools this year. Frisco has, I think, about 16 or 17 middle schools, so about half of the middle schools. They're piloting a program um, to eliminate advanced learning and basically what they call co-seat mm-hmm. the, the students. So the advanced students and what are referred to as the on-level students in the language arts classes. And the stated reason for that, to your point, the stated reason for that in an email to the parents um, used the word equity or equitable practices, I believe, and um, inclusivity. But how's that going to affect then the children who are advanced? I mean, is that going to be causing them to, instead of progressing forward, is that not going to cause them to regress? So how's that going to affect those children? Well, I think it's going to impact not only the advanced learners, because I think it will you know, hold them back when they're ready to, to move forward. Mm-hmm. But also I think the on-level students can you know, feel left behind if they sure. see other students in the class finishing assignments, ready to move on to the next unit, and they're not quite there yet, how does that impact their self-esteem and their ability to be successful in the class? And you see that on both sides, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I've heard from parents, you know, of both advanced students and on-level students that it's impacting their students' experience. I also think it's, you know, a challenge for the teachers to have to manage all that in one class. I mean, there was a reason why you know, those things were separated years ago. And we've been doing right. that for years, right? right? Advanced classes were around when I was in in elementary school. Do you feel like, because I know that you have been um, active within Frisco ISD and showing up to school board members. Um, there's also been talk how Frisco ISD has not denounced what the National School Board Association said last fall when they wrote a letter to President Biden asking for his administration to deem parents as domestic terrorists for giving pushback to school board uh, members and meetings. And and you look at what is happening in this shift. And even though the National School Board supposedly kind of gave this apology, you still see, though, that the damage has already been done, the fact that the DOJ and the FBI are targeting parents. Is there concern with that in Frisco ISD? Has there been any questioning of parents in Frisco ISD? And also, why do you think that Frisco ISD, if true, has not denounced the National School Board Association's letter to President Biden? Okay. And it's a lot of loaded yeah. questions. <laughs> yeah. No, those are good questions. So I'm not aware of any Frisco ISD parents being questioned by the FBI, not to my knowledge. Um, parents did speak up at the time. This was last fall that all this came up. And parents did speak up at the time and asked, you know, what is our stance on this? You know, what are we doing about this? And the reason why it came up in Frisco is because there is a board member who is slated to attend the NSBA conference in January, later in the month. Um, So people, when they found out about the NSBA's stance on this matter, questioned that. Why are we sending someone to the conference? Why are we spending taxpayer dollars to do so, right? Mm -hmm. And the response was basically, well, it's important for us to be at the seat at the table, you know, have our seat at the table at these kind of events. So therefore, 
you know, she's still going kind of a thing, um, which I thought was kind of a weak response. Sure. But that was the response. And then, you know, when it started to kind of bubble up to the the Texas level, mm-hmm. Texas Association of School Boards or TASB, um, people started questioning as well, like, why aren't they saying anything? And why, you know, why aren't they getting involved and taking a stand and denouncing this, you know, these statements, mm-hmm. right? They have been pretty silent other than a very poorly worded statement. And uh, the Texas Freedom Caucus actually has formally requested that they withdraw from the NSBA as almost, I think, 20 other states have done. Mm-hmm. I think the last I heard it was either 19 or 20. They have withdrawn from the NSBA. Texas has not done that or made any moves in that regard. It's my understanding that the current president of the NSBA is a former Texas TASB leader. So there could be something going on with that. But what I also know for sure is that the uh, current Frisco ISD board member is the president-elect of TASB. So she will be taking on that role, I'm assuming June or July. I don't know when their terms start and end. I'm assuming they kind of coincide with, with board leadership roles, but I don't know for sure. And so Frisco ISD has been silent on the matter too. And it's very disappointing because, sure. you know, you you would want to hear from your school board, we stand with parents, we support parents' rights to speak. You know, there are Frisco police officers at every board meeting, sometimes more than others if they think it's going to be a big crowd or there might be some contentious topics, you can tell that the police presence is up. But there are Frisco police officers at every meeting. So if there's an instance where someone gets unruly and sure. engages in unlawful behavior, that can be addressed. We don't we don't need the FBI. Right. And so I think that Frisco ISD and TASB should denounce that and say, anything that happens, we can handle locally. Yeah. But they haven't done that. Well, it's all about bringing it back to the, like, the local level. And it's unfortunate right. when you have like all the federal overreach and then they're going to basically – control the outcomes and that's just wrong in my opinion and to your point it's good if it's brought back to the local level what is really going on here with the current school board and why do you think that they're pushing this narrative and agenda in frisco there's a concept that i just learned about this year that i thought was fascinating and disturbing at the same time and it's called team of eight okay and so when you get elected to school board Um, you go to a training with TASB and they teach you how to be a school board member. And apparently during this training, it's this huge, you know, push for a team of eight. And so you have seven school board members and you have a superintendent. So there's your team of eight. Mm -hmm. Okay. That discourages dissent, right? So, so it means we all work together and agree, Mm -hmm. you know, if, if everyone's going to agree on the school board, you might as well just have one school board member. What do you, what do you need seven for, right. right? If they're all here to agree. Now, there's nothing wrong with working together, and that's what what some of um, the folks in Frisco are saying about my candidacy because I've spoken publicly about this, and they're saying, "Oh, sure. well, she can't work with people, right?" I can work with lots of people. I have 20 years of human resources experience in corporate America. I've worked with all different personalities, people I agree with, disagree with. You can disagree and agree to disagree. And that's okay. And I think that's a good thing. And what I've seen in Frisco board meetings is something is presented and then they vote 7-0 every time. I have never seen a vote that was not unanimous. And I don't think that's healthy regardless. I would rather have someone who was completely opposite of me politically on that Mm -hmm. board, challenging, raising questions, you know, disagreeing sometimes. I don't don't think it's good to to do that because to me it just feels like a rubber stamp. Sure. Right? 
So I think that's kind of a problem, but that's what I see. And it was funny because there was a board meeting last night and it was the first time I heard someone from the board actually mention Team of Eight. I only knew about it because some other board members outside of Frisco shared it with me and I started digging into it. But they actually mentioned it last night. Hey, we're a team of eight. And the superintendent actually sits on the dais with the board members. So it's all eight of them sitting up there. And when I remember, you know, back in the day, it would be the superintendent coming to the podium to present to the board and Mm -hmm. answering questions and getting challenged and things like that. And so you have this whole you know, visual of all these people, you know, sitting up there, which I also think is a little bit, can be intimidating for parents sometimes that want to go speak because you not only have the entire, you know, team of eight sitting up there, but then on, on the each side of the, of the dais, you have four or five senior administrators. Is there still momentum you feel like in Frisco ISD of parents standing up and questioning the school board? Or do you think that, Parents are starting to just kind of step back because maybe of what the National School Board Association put out. Are you still seeing a momentum or do you see that it's basically kind of declining in Frisco? I think there's still a momentum. I do think so. I think, um, you know, there are still parents who don't know what's going on. And so part of what I'm trying to do and part of my campaign is to educate. Mm -hmm. Every single parent that I've talked to about the pilot in middle school says, well, that's not a good idea. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. I don't agree with that. They don't know. Even if their kids are going to schools that participate in the pilots, they don't seem to know what's going on. And there's some some reasons for that, I think, why they don't know. But, you know, I, once they hear about it, then they get upset. The sure. grading is upsetting some people. So, yeah, and there was even someone at the board meeting last night, a parent who was, you know, wanting to talk about the pilot. Where's the information? What are the, you know, what are the standards and criteria that are going to be used to judge whether this is a successful pilot or not, right? Sure. Where's the information about what's going on here? Because um, apparently it was on the website and then it was off the website. So so I'm not sure um, about that. But she was she was there. She was the only one talking about it last night. But she she wanted to know. And so I think it's, you know, there's a lot that can be done mm-hmm. and a lot that needs to be done in order to help kind of right this ship. But I, I'm, I fear that the path that we're going down mm-hmm. is going to lead to Frisco not being, you know, the premier school district in North sure. Texas or one of the premier school districts in North Texas. And in fact, I think we're, we're really there now. There's a lot of people in Frisco moving to prosper. Mm. We're losing a lot of teachers to prosper ISD. One of the teachers at my daughter's school who'd been there forever just left for prosper. And, um, I heard that half of the new teachers in prosper were from Frisco ISD because the teachers are frustrated they're burned out. You know, it's not just COVID. It's a lot of the other stuff that they're being asked to do. And I've had teachers and former teachers reach out to me since I announced my campaign. They want to share their stories. Uh, they've reached out to Families for Frisco. As the president of Families for Frisco is a former Frisco ISD teacher. So folks have been reaching out to her to share their stories. We're hearing, you know, some buzz that teachers are looking to leave potentially in the spring and not come back. And Frisco lost... 600 teachers last year that did not come back. What is Frisco ISD doing? I mean, if you see that many teachers leaving, what are they doing to make sure that they can, one, have a good culture and environment for teachers to stay within Frisco ISD, but two, how do they plan on keeping teachers to stay in Frisco ISD? Well, they're giving them a bonus. I believe they voted on that recently. 
Uh, the bonus is on average $1,000, maybe a little less. Uh, they're paying that, I believe, in the next month or two. And they did vote on that. I saw that at a board meeting. They voted on that. If you're a teacher and you're that disgruntled, I, you know, my experience in HR, that's not going right. to keep you there. And right. I've also been hearing some buzz from some teachers that after they get that bonus, they're going to leave even though it's not the end of the school year, which sure. is going to really impact the kids. Right. Right. So hopefully that won't be what I'm hearing that it could potentially be, but I don't know. That's just that's just what I'm hearing kind of through the grapevine. I don't know what they're doing to retain and engage their teachers. Um, that to me seems like something that should be discussed at a board meeting. Mm -hmm. Like, what are we doing? What's our plan? You know, I understand that they do exit surveys, which is pretty common. I've dealt with those in human resources for years, but I'm told that it's current employees, you know, HR leaders that do the exit interviews. They probably need, in my opinion, to have an external firm do it sure. just to ensure that people truly feel comfortable being open and 100% honest. Because I ran into a teacher over the summer that was one of my daughter's um, prior teachers or, you know, within within her grade, not her actual teacher. And I, you know, asked how her summer was going and she mentioned that she was going to be a prosper in the fall. Wow. And I asked her that and she's, you know, she she shared with me a little bit why she didn't want to get into too much detail. And I asked her, you know, did they have an exit interview and did you share? And she's like, I don't say anything to anybody because I don't want it to negatively impact me. So that's a concern, right? You sure. want to really know why. So where is that information? Why isn't the, you know, the head of HR presenting, you don't have to mention people's names, but what are the trends? We had 30 teachers leave last month and 25 of them said they were leaving because of pay or COVID restrictions or who knows, whatever mm -hmm. the reason is, work environment, right? right. Then you know. But I've never, I never heard them talk about things like that. Well, it's really interesting just kind of watching this whole dynamics uh, happen in just various school districts because there have been reports where other school districts throughout Texas, teachers are just quitting, they're leaving. Even a lot of them quit during Christmas break and just refuse to return. I know that Governor Abbott has signed a law that banned CRT here in the state of Texas. However, you see these school districts still implementing it, still just moving forward as if there is no law, you know, banning it. And I think that has also added quite a bit of frustration to the teachers. With us seeing this happening at such a state level, why do you think that this is being continued to happen in terms of teachers leaving. Why do you think this is allowed to, to continue? Why are we not even hearing, even from the state level, hey, well, wait a minute, let's look at this. Why are all these teachers quitting in these school districts? That's a good question. I, I don't see them doing that. If they're doing that, then it's not visible to the public. Maybe that's part of their closed-door meetings or other things, I'm not sure. Um, what I can tell you is that the the law that was passed related to CRT, it's very mild and it doesn't really address the root cause of the issue. The law addresses just social studies classes. You're not allowed to teach CRT in social studies classes. Okay. Okay. So what I'm hearing from the parents, and I've seen assignments, so it's, sure. it's not coming through social studies. It's coming through language arts, Spanish believe it or not, you know, every other subject 
besides social studies. And we actually, a parent recently reached out to me because he had sent an email to the board, the entire board, all seven members, and said, I would like to know your opinion on CRT. Just, what's your opinion? What is it? And one of the board members wrote back, he, he shared the email with me. It was kind of a snarky response that just said, well, it's illegal in Texas, so we don't do that. And he said, that's not what I asked you, actually. What I asked you is, what's your opinion on it? Sure. Right? And, and she didn't really want to answer that question, which is unfortunate. And it really made the parent angry. Parents oh, pretty sure. angry about it, right? And so when all this came up, when I first started you know, regularly attending board meetings and I had you know, the moment where they said this was our meeting and I got really upset, I was actually there to talk about CRT as well. I just wanted to know, like, hey, we're not doing this, right? Just wanted to make sure. So I threw that in at the end of my speech, and I ended up speaking directly with one of the board members who assured me, we are not doing CRT. It is not allowed here. And this was before it was technically illegal, but sure. we're not doing it. And then some other board members online, you know, said things like, this is a conspiracy theory. We're not doing it. These, you know, these parents are just trying to create trouble kind of a thing. So, I mean, I can tell, I can give you example after example of things that are occurring. I guess if you don't want to call it CRT, you don't have to, but, mm -hmm. you know, it's pretty, pretty concerning. And one of those is at Memorial High School in, I think it was the second week of school, they took kids out of the language arts classes, went outside and did a privilege walk. Wow. So, you know, I don't hear anyone on the board or anyone in senior administration addressing that, right? That should not be allowed. And one of the questions that they asked um, was, you know, do you have a disability seen or unseen? Which to me seems like, you know, a personal privacy violation, Absolutely. right? But they asked that and the kids had to step forward or step back. Completely unacceptable. And I don't see that being addressed. What, what we hear is, oh, that's just this one teacher or that's just this one class. Okay, well, what are you, what are you doing about it? You're right. right. It might be isolated instances in the district. And it's not every single school and it's not every single teacher. I would never assert such a thing, right? Mm -hmm. it, it may even be a minority. I don't know. But here's the question. What are you doing about it? Right. Right. And so far, I see that they're doing nothing about it. Do you feel like the school board has been treating parents like they're conspiracy theorists and not not willing to listen to them or or in some cases they don't know what they're talking about so we need to to hear their questions. Do you feel like there's that level of just disrespect towards parents and if so why? I definitely feel that way. I reached out to the board several times, you know, throughout this process. Even after I called them out and got some media attention about it, I said, you know, I'm going to reach out and just, let's talk, right? Mm -hmm. I'm happy to share with you directly, you know, what my thoughts and opinions and concerns are. And and one of them did reach back out to me and we had, you know, we had an okay conversation, but for the most part, pretty much ignored. Now that I've declared my candidacy for the board, now I have several of them reaching out and wanting to meet and talk and you know, clear up misinformation and find out more about my platform. And it's like, okay, that's, appreciate that. But, you know, six months ago would have been nice too. Sure. Absolutely. Right? So it's, there is a consensus that there's not, um, or there is a groundswell of feeling like they don't listen. And in fact, I've had so many people reach out to me since I did announce my candidacy last week. And they've said, you know, I even got one yesterday. I was at that meeting and I felt exactly how you felt. 
I was angry, but she said, I also felt afraid and alone and confused. This is a parent in our district. And she said, I'm so glad you spoke up. I'll be supporting you. But I was so upset that night when they when that comment was made. And it was never clarified, by the way. There was never any statement saying, hey, this is everyone's meeting. You know, we misspoke, right? Mm-hmm. We welcome all people. We want everyone to be here. There was never any apology, retraction, anything like that. So I think that's just how, how they think. They've set up a couple uh, question and answer type sessions since then. And I attended and they're not really answering anything. Sure. You, you ask the question and then they craft their response and release it later. It's typical grandstanding. Yeah. So that's, and you know, it's just really disappointing that this is even happening here in one of the top school districts. And that's just unfortunate. I've got two more questions for you and they're quick ones. What are some action steps that parents can take to make a difference? Great question. I think attend school board meetings and pay attention to what's going on. Ask your kids. You know, I think I'm pretty involved with my kids. I didn't realize they had eliminated homework in high schools until I asked my daughter and I had heard it from another parent, right? Mm -hmm. She seemed like she was doing homework and for her, she was, she was still doing it for the most part, but talk to your kids, find out what's going on, go to school board meetings, get involved with the local elections, right? Meet the candidates, figure out what they're about, and get involved with the campaign if there's a can- if there's a candidate you support. I also think it's really important to if you see something you don't like or you hear something you don't like, speak up, file a complaint, talk to the principal. That's good. Every school, you know, every school has a process. What I unfortunately hear sometimes, and I get it because I used to be one of these parents too. Well, I don't want to say anything, right? Because I don't want this to negatively impact my kids. Mm-hmm. I have spoken up more than once about something that went on with one of my kids at some point. I've probably done it six or seven times maybe over the years, and I never once regretted it. And I never once felt like my kids were retaliated against, but I spoke up. And in most of those cases, not all, unfortunately, but in most of those cases, something was done to address it. And and I've seen that from other parents too, um, that they, they call that principal, they call that school. It's not always easy. Sometimes you have to go through some, you know, red tape. You got to go through several people to get to the principal or whatever. But I would say do it. Share your concerns. That's such good advice. And I think that's the thing, too, just the power of speaking up. And because people are not going to change until or change the situation until more people start using their voice to speak up and address the situation, which basically I kind of feel like you answered my next question, which is your, what is your call to action? But I think you just basically laid that out so well. Um, and this is something that's definitely applicable that people who are watching can do. And I just love the part specifically of just speaking up because that's something that we've been talking a lot about here in our program is to stand for righteousness, speak truth and protect freedom. And that's what it's all about. So This is really good and so informative of what you shared with us today of what's happening in Frisco ISD and just, you know, I would encourage all the parents in Frisco to keep up the good fight in terms of asking those questions and seeking answers from the school board. And I hope that they do what is right in answering and addressing some of these concerns and because there should be unity. You know, there should be unity in the school board. There should be unity among parents and children, not this divisiveness and and strife. I mean, nothing can produce and move forward among strife. So hopefully Frisco ISD will do what is right and 
yeah, everything smoothed out here with it being a new school year here starting in the fall of 2022. So yes, we have three seats up for re-election okay. this year. And um, my campaign website, in case anyone wants to find out more about my particular campaign, is stephanie4fisd.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie, for being here today. I greatly appreciate it. And for those who are watching, thank you so much. And I just love what Stephanie had mentioned. And, and of course, those who've been following the show know that I love talking about the power of speaking truth. And that's something I'm going to end with today and that we need to speak truth. And nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to be resolved unless we speak truth and address some of these even hard topics. But even more reason why we need to work towards protecting freedom. This is for our children. This is for future generations. And education is key. Education is so important for kids to thrive and become who they are created to be and to dream and achieve the American dream. And so we need to do our part to make sure that education is still key and that kids can advance in education and become all that they are created to be. So thank you so much for watching and happy new year. Look forward to having you all come back because the next episode that we do will also be about education, but it's going to be a really fascinating topic. And also I'd like to thank Vibrant Health MD for sponsoring this episode. Vibrant Health MD is a health and wellness practice based in Plano. They will help you discover a healthy life so you can live your best life. Thank you and God bless.